Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. Now, obesity, a global study has found that one billion people are now living with obesity worldwide. In Ireland, almost 60% of adults are obese or overweight. So has this become a new norm for us? How are we going to begin to tackle the problem, I suppose, collectively and with the assistance of experts in the government? And we'd like to hear from you on this as well, 087-1400-106. But Professor Donald O'Shea from the HSC Clinical Led Obesity, Lead uh, for Obesity, and he's joined me on the phone line now. Um, Donald, how are you this afternoon? Uh, I'm good, Alison. I got my bike out this morning to come to work and then uh, half an hour later it was snowing, so I drove. Uh, do not um, cycle. <laughs> Don't cycle, yeah. Donald. Not in this. Um, no, absolutely. So there's some startling figures in front of us here in studio just to say that, you know, you now feel obesity is beyond pandemic levels. Uh, well, it is. It's, it's overweight and obesity is now the norm uh, in the developed world. Um, malnutrition globally is now less of a threat than obesity uh, and overweight. And, you know, this is a WHO study of 195 countries, and it shows the trend in every country is the same. Uh, mm. they're, they're all increasing in terms of overweight and obesity, and the number of thin, or as they refer to it in the, the study, thinness is on the decline. Okay. Donald, can we just define, I suppose, for people listening, obesity and overweight? Because I know there's been a lot of discussions over recently, you know, about BMI being an accurate representation of body weight and what's healthy and what's not. So will you talk us through that a little bit? Yeah. So BMI is, is not good at an individual level. BMI is a population tool, the body mass index, which is your height in uh, your weight in kilograms divided by your height in meters squared. So it's a calculation. Uh, but basically, uh, the average normal weight for uh, uh, obesity will begin for a, a female at about 10, 10 and a half stone, and for a male at about 13 uh, and a half stone for your average height male for those who think in, in stones and most people still do think mm. in stones most men who are 13 and a half stone think they ooh, maybe have a, a little bit of overweight when in fact they're uh, touching into the obese category okay uh, the severe and complex obesity that we're looking at and managing uh, you know in weight management clinics uh, that's obesity that carries with it type 2 diabetes sleep apnea uh, heart disease. So you can be healthy yes. at any weight. The obesity doesn't necessarily cause ill health. Uh, so, and and that's the obesity we need to treat is the is the severe and complex obesity. Okay. Um, and and uh, it's important that we use the treatments we have for those who at the moment have complicated obesity because we now have emerging treatments for obesity. I think the field will change over the next uh, 10 to 15 years and uh, there will be a reason to screen people and there will be a reason to intervene earlier. And okay. if you, you you can lose 5% of your uh, current weight with lifestyle change. Uh, so uh, that eat less, move more, which is the prevention piece for uh, to stop yourself from developing obesity, uh, is good if your weight is just a little overweight. Okay. But by the time you have established uh, obesity with complications, 5% is no good and your treatment is not eat less and move more. And that's what's changed. The, the, the medical uh, healthcare sector now recognise 
uh, you don't tell somebody who has lung cancer that stop smoking yeah. is their treatment. Okay. Uh, you don't tell somebody who has obesity that eat less, move more is their treatment. It's important to stop smoking when you've been treated for lung cancer. It's important to make good lifestyle choices when you're being treated for obesity. But the treatment is separate. Okay, and Donald- this report... Yep. Go, no, I was going to say, could I go ahead and ask you something that I thought was really interesting you talked about as well? Is this this idea, it's like a flawed narrative of kind of good foods, bad foods, treat days, and, you know, you're allowed to indulge for one day. Is it a case that we should evolve how we think about food more to kind of, you know, versus good or bad? We should be thinking more about what it does for us and how we can fuel what we want to do with our bodies during the day. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think our relationship with food is currently defined by the food and drinks industry. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're pushing um, food-like products at us that aren't actually food. And and that's, I love Darina Allen's line, you know, when you go shopping, uh, buy food, not food-like products, because a lot of the ultra-processed materials, they contain no vitamins, no minerals. It's high fat, high salt, high sugar, uh, so you get a bit of an energy burst from the calories. Yeah. But actually, it's nutritionally empty. Right. Okay. Will you stay there, Donald? Actually, we want to bring in another caller on Lunchtime Live, Ashling O'Driscoll. Ashling, how are you? I'm not too bad, thanks. How are you? Great. Ashling, will you tell us your story, your own personal story? So I um, was morbidly obese for at least 15 to 20 years of my life. I'm 37 now. Um, I was in kind of like a normal weight before I, I had my daughter 15 years ago and before I fell pregnant on her I was kind of like maybe 11, 12 stone so I was a healthy enough weight and then piled on the weight through pregnancy and then over the course of the years so I tried for the last five years to lose weight conventionally like Donald just said you know being told just eat less and move more and you know I, I know you can't see me but air quote because I hate that phrase you know, like people just think that if you just eat less and move more, you'll lose the weight. It's not that simple for some people. Mm-hmm. So I tried for five years, failed every time. And Ozempic then obviously came on the market. And this was my last resort before weight loss surgery. And as we all know, weight loss surgery is a permanent solution to a temporary problem because weight loss surgery, you're getting up to 75% of your stomach removed and you can't get that put back once you've lost, lost the weight. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I went on Ozempic. I started Ozempic, my Ozempic journey on the 27th of June, 2022. And uh, we're, I'm 20 months in now, and as of now, I am now 12 stone. And right. I'm at a healthy weight, and I'm at a healthy BMI. So I'm absolutely delighted. It did work. It worked for me. And um, Ashling, is uh, Ozempic, this is my ignorance now, I have to say, is that something you can stay on for life? Well, you see, that's a, that's a bit of a topic for a debate, because a lot of people, Donald will probably be the better person to ask about this, but a lot of people were saying, it's something in like some doctors say you need to stay on it for life. It's like if you were to have, you know, high blood pressure or, yeah. you know, a high heart rate. It's medication you might need to stay on for life. Other people, other experts say, oh, well, if you stop taking, you're going to put all the weight back on. Um, Donald, can you jump in there actually on that? Yeah, no, I'm happy. And, and Ozempic is a treatment based on a hormone that we release in our own body after a meal that makes you feel a bit fuller, uh, makes you delays your stomach emptying and increases your energy burn. And I've been working with it for 30 years um, and it's now a treatment. Uh, you know, when your own body releases it, it has a very short half-life of like a minute. Now it's available as a drug that you take once a week. Okay. And it, so it's amazing. And it is a game changer for about 30% of people who start it. And uh, I'm going to ask a personal question. 
uh, if that's okay, Alison, yeah. in terms of the, what, do, what dose you're on uh, of the Ozempic. Are you able to answer that? Yeah, one mi- well, I was on one milligram. I haven't had it um, since November, um, but for several okay. reasons. But one of the main reasons, obviously, the shortages, which is a whole other, uh, uh, another topic. Yeah, um, yeah that's another but story, I on, yeah. Yeah, I've been on one milligram, one milligram. for a while, over a year anyway. Yeah. And, and one milligram is the diabetes dose. When it comes on the market later in the year for, as a treatment for obesity, uh, the dose will be 2.4 milligrams. So you would be an exquisite responder in weight terms to a lower dose than most people would respond to. And it yeah. is important to say to, for people listening, you know, Ozempic will do that for about a third of people. Okay. A third of people will have a modest slight weight change and a third of people will have no weight change on it and only experience the side effects which can be kind of constipation and uh, rotten egg burps uh, you know unpleasant side effects Mm -hmm. Um, so but the fact that we have treatment and to hear that story you know five years have been told eat less move more Mm -hmm. you know the weight management field has moved beyond that you know and, and the fact that we now have uh, the dawning of uh, actual treatments is going to help people realise that it's a disease yes. uh, that they have, it doesn't define them, uh, and that they need medical support to, to manage it. Um, Ashlyn, thank you very much for that. We actually have, um, I think Linda is on the phone line as well, and Linda's in Meath. And Linda, you're someone who's greatly benefited from Ozempic. Hi, yeah. Um, for me, I'm not on Ozempic, but for me, my, with my experience, is that there is one really important part of the conversation that gets forgotten or not discussed. And that is that if you are, like me, suffering with obesity, with a very high BMI, yeah. um, and you happen to be on the medical card, you are priced out of that. And actually, I was told by a doctor that I am not diabetic. Right. So I'm borderline pre-diabetic, literally. I'm one point away from being pre-diabetic. And he actually told me, if you were pre-diabetic, I could write you a prescription now. Is that something so that will very- change, Donal? Or do you, can you say anything on that? Uh, so at the moment, the treatment that is reimbursed by the HSE is the once daily uh, uh, preparation of GLP called Saxenda. And that is reimbursed based on a BMI cutoff of 35. Right. And having two additional complications, one of which is prediabetes. So uh, the HSE, uh, and this is in line with the uh, UK uh, reimbursement. Uh, so the HSE is giving it, uh, reimbursing uh, Saxenda for people with severe and complicated obesity. Okay. And unfortunately, because I think it's ridiculous to have you know, an exact BMI cutoff and a pre-diabetes cutoff, it makes it very difficult. It sounds very dangerous. For, yeah. It's very frustrating to be told, actually, go away, get a bit sicker and then come yeah. back and we'll start yeah. you on treatment. You know, that's not what you want to be doing. Okay, Linda, thank you for sharing that with us. That's a really good point. We also have Rob on the phone line as well. And Rob, one of the things that's being touted as a solution, obviously, is Ozempic. But what issues do you have with this? Well, my problem uh, with the Ozempic is that uh, it has now been prescribed for our uh, obese uh, patients, and it's primarily a drug that was designed uh, for diabetes. I have diabetes. I started on a quarter milligram, then to a half, and then I was supposed to be on one milligram. But this is not available because there's a worldwide uh, shortage of right. the And it is because 
it has been described for people uh, that are overweight. The, the, the result of taking Ozempic uh, is that it actually makes you a feeling of being tall, and uh, as a result, you lose weight if that's what you're looking for. So why can't these people eat less food, exercise more, and they will lose weight? And, Rob, I think uh, Donald actually addressed that in the beginning and talking about obesity versus complex obesity. But um, Donald, can I thank you for sharing that, Rob? But could I go back to you, Donald? Just um, is there is there a solution to the shortage, or is there a forecast solution? Yeah, no. The, there was a, an acute and global shortage of Ozempic for the reasons your listener just said, uh, yeah. outlined, and um, I, you know. It's not right to say diabetes is more worthy than uh, asthma, Mm. is more worthy than obesity of treatment. All diseases need to to be treated in a non-judgmental way. Mm -hmm. The global shortage is coming to an end. It's easing at the moment. Uh, And Novo Nordisk, the manufacturers of of Saxenda and Ozempic, are actually uh, developing a a plant in uh, Westmead. All right. uh, to uh, produce for its European um, uh, kind of countries. Okay. So the global shortage, I think once we had a treatment that was effective for weight, the very first one that came, there was always going to be a global shortage. There was yeah. always going to be, we can't get enough of it. And then the companies, uh, so the next round, if you like, of treatments is going to be available later in the year. And it's a combination of GLP, that hormone, plus another hormone, and that gives better weight loss. And that's launched now in America and Japan and will launch in uh, Europe towards the end of this year. Uh, the company is launching it in a phased way okay, uh, and is only going to have it available when it has supply to back it up. Can um, I and ask I think, you? Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, Donald, finish that point. Sorry. No, I, I, I think, you know, the, the history of, of treating any disease uh, the early treatment um, always ran into supply issues while you waited for other companies and other products to, to come on the market. Can I ask you something as well, Donald, that just came in on text as well? Um, I suppose rugby's on a lot of people's minds as well. And David sent in a message on WhatsApp and saying that I guess the majority of the Irish rugby team are now defined by obese. Wow, I wouldn't have known. And um, if I'm 13.5 stone and six foot one, I either look skeletal or I would be ripped with 4% body fat. So this is going back, and Darren said that, this is going back to the idea of BMI being outdated. Yeah, no, and you know, at the end of the day, BMI is good at a population level, but at an individual level, uh, it it doesn't work a bit, aka the rugby team. But we don't have an epidemic of elite athletes. So if your BMI is 30, you are likely to have obesity and not be an elite athlete. Okay, perfect. Um, And finally, before we finish off with this item, thank you very much, Donald. We have Katie in Wicklow. Katie, um, I wanted to talk to you because you have, it's your daughter that you're concerned about. It's not you. That's correct. Um, Good morning. Uh, Or good afternoon, rather. Yes. Um, (laughs) Yes. Yes. My my daughter is uh, 25 and I I gave birth to her at 45. So do the maths. So uh, we're not young parents and I'm very concerned about my daughter's future. Um, I I heard Donald talking yesterday on another radio station and one of the things I think you mentioned, Donald, was a kind of like an addiction to food, that obesity uh, is something like that. Like, in other words, a a cigarette smoker has to have their cigarettes, a drug addict has to have their drugs. 
And I recognize this in my daughter that she's slightly, she is not slightly, she's addicted to food, but it's the wrong kinds of food. Right. So in other words, you, you mentioned all processed foods have no vitamins, no minerals, no minerals. So therefore very poor on nutrition. And my daughter, she wants to lose weight. She doesn't want to be the way she is. But I should also mention she's mildly autistic, mildly. Now, I've been with my GP only last week and she is running a load of tests next Tuesday to see if she is suitable right, health-wise okay. to try Ozempic. And myself and her father are behind that and we're willing to give it a bash. But it's still a worry. Okay, and Donald, can you worry. speak on that then, Donald? Yeah, so I think uh, getting your daughter assessed uh, by the GP uh, is a really good thing to do. And people who are concerned about weight, that's exactly uh, what they should do. Uh, being open to the fact uh, that there are treatments um, and being open to them if if you're suitable for them is really important. Uh, and understanding that high fat, high salt, high sugar foods are incredibly addictive um, and the brain lights up in the same areas uh, that they light up for uh, anything such as alcohol or recreational drugs. It's the same part of their brain lights up in response to those foods. Um, so uh, trying to limit them okay. uh, and trying to eat uh, healthy food um, is, is important. And that's difficult in individuals who um, maybe are neurodiverse and, yeah. and, uh, and get uh, you know, a sense of calming from that kind of food. It's, it's particularly challenging. Donald yeah, and Katie, yeah, thank, thank you so thank much. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, yeah, but Katie, thank, thank you for sharing the story and thank you to all of our callers on that topic. And Donald, thank you so much for your time this afternoon as well. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk.